Hello and welcome to Conversations with Mother Earth, brought to you by Grounded Press. My name is Dana Petrovic, and each week, my guests and I explore one aspect of our Mother Earth and the gifts that she gives us. We also discuss why these gifts are so precious and why we should value them. We got you curious? Good. We love curiosity. Let's start. In today's episode, we are traveling, virtually at least, to London, United Kingdom. We will be talking with Viv Palmer, the author of the blog Bug Woman Adventures in London. Viv will take us to parks and roads close to her home and will introduce us to a variety of new friends. Some of them fly, some crawl. Every single tour by Viv is an adventure as she has no idea who or what will cross her path next. You may be asking, why should conversations with Mother Earth cover or even care about bugs? Well, simply put, if you have ever enjoyed an apple or indeed any other fruit or nut, you have a bit to think. But however, dear audience, dear listeners, be warned. We might be talking to about some of your, let's say, least favorite bugs. But please allow us to shed some light on these insect friends that many people don't like and sim- some simply kill. While in reality, these creatures not only pose no harm to us, but they actually support and feed us. Viv, welcome to Conversations with Mother Earth. I am so grateful to have found your blog that you are my guest today. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. It's a wonderful work you're, you're doing. So tell us more about your blog, Bug Woman Adventures in London. And what motivated you to start your blog adventures? When did that, this happen? Well, I started Bug Woman back in 2014. Firstly, I think I like to think of it as a kind of nature table. You remember you had those things at school where everybody brought things and shared them. So I kind of wanted to share the things that I was finding, uh, the insects and the plants and all those kinds of things, and to educate myself as well about them. Interesting. And And I also really wanted to build a community um, an online community of people who also were interested in these things. Uh, and that's really worked. I've got people from all over the world now sharing the stories of the things they find in their backyard or their city streets. So, so yeah, it's, it served that dual purpose, a way for me to write and share and a way for me to make friends as well. <laughs> exactly. It's beautiful, beautiful. So, you talk about our friends and you make friends. Isn't that beautiful? 
Yeah, it's been great. And I've even met some of the people that I've been in contact with on the blog in real life. So, yeah, it's it's been a wonderful thing. How does an adventure in London look like? Can you give us maybe an example? How How does it happen? Well, during lockdown, it's obviously been very difficult to go into the city or go anywhere exciting. So, so a little adventure might be just going out into my garden and seeing what's happening out there, what insects there are around, uh, what birds. Uh, and I can guarantee there is always something new. Yeah. Or something I do very regularly is I have a walk in my local cemetery, uh, which is a fantastic place for wildlife uh, and, again, particularly for insects. Uh, it's got a very wide range of different habitats and it's very peaceful. It's a real refuge for people and for animals. So, so yeah, I might take the same walk in the cemetery, for example. I do that every week since lockdown and every time there is something different. Uh, there might be a woodpecker. Uh, there might be a really striking beetle with yellow and black spots that I hadn't seen before so yeah always something new if you take your time and you're curious yeah there's a variety of life out there I mean you are mentioning a cemetery that's also <laughs> gets some of our listeners a little bit scared but there is as you said it's a very very peaceful place indeed mm -hmm. and um, animals and our our friends birds and insects are clearly undisturbed there because we humans where we humans what we humans avoid they they like because they have mm. their peace yeah that's absolutely absolutely true uh and because the, also this is a very big cemetery, so people, it's not one of those where it's like the very close cut lawn and the, everything is perfect. There, lots of things are not perfect. There's, you know, and that's perfect. The animals, uh, there are foxes there, there are owls. So, so yeah, it's a great spot, great place. Very interesting, very interesting. Yeah, no, it's also um, another reminder why we should enjoy life. Um, it's a transient period that we are here and that we should accept all of all of all of life including our bug helpers um yeah because also without wanting to be morbid without our insect friends we would be well above our heads in all kinds of rubbish and yeah. you know they spend so much time recycling and they are nature's recyclers they are they take what we don't want and turn it into something useful exactly so. we can actually learn from them quite a bit mm, <laughs> we really can yeah yeah tell us uh, tell us about some of your favorite bugs um oh i have a great fondness for pollinators of all kinds so very particularly in the UK, I love the bumblebees. Um, great furry, buzzing creatures, you know. Uh, they were originally adapted to very cold climates, which is why they're so furry and why they can grow so big. Um, and they can learn to manipulate flowers, which are incredibly complicated structurally, um, 
I've got a plant growing at the moment, which the little bees buzz pollinate, which is what they do also with tomatoes and potato flowers. Um, they can clasp the flower and they vibrate and that allows the pollen to fall out of the flower. So, yeah, just extraordinary animals and very valuable. We think about honeybees, which, of course, have got their place, but every country also has its own native bees that are much less noticed um, and go about their business. Uh, and also hoverflies, which are not so um, not so well regarded because they're flies. Uh, they do a tremendous amount of pollinating as well. So, so yeah, I do love me a pollinator. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, the, when you look at the bumblebee in a, in a in a flower with uh, the, the the hairy uh, legs all covered mm. with with. with pollen it's so incredible it's an incredible sight i love to take photos of that all the time it's yeah. completely oblivious of me being there it's just so happy within the flower yeah they so that always seems so kind of good natured to me they it really takes a lot to upset a bumblebee <laughs> yeah yeah that's it's, uh, uh, my favorites are actually ants. I'm, I'm, I'm writing mm. a short story from the perspective of ants. I find them fascinating. And the more I learn about them, the more I learn about life myself, because they are, they are master architects. They are, mm. both, as you mentioned earlier, they're recyclers. They are, they're cleaners, actually. They clean up so many things. And they are probably the only species, I, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, that can carry weight twice their own mm. their own size so this incredible is, yeah you know no other species can do and I, I, i'm always amazed by them i know um, in oh sorry i know go ahead, go ahead. yeah when i i spent some time in cameroon i was working on a kind of ape sanctuary there for orphaned chimps but what I was very fascinated by were the uh, the driver ants, the army ants that they have there, uh, and the people there have learned that they could they can steer a column of these ants into, for example, their compost heap, and the ants will eat the lot and just leave them with this very fine compost that has passed through their bodies. Interesting, you know. So, as an example of working with, as opposed to just assuming that you have to destroy everything you don't like. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah, just very, um, just a, a very harmonious way of working. Yeah, they're, they're very, very hardworking. Very, as you mentioned, they're very organized, they're incredibly organized in colonies and all that. Yeah. Um, in your blog, you also mentioned that you are joyful when you meet a spider. Mm-hmm. Numerous listeners may not <laughs> share your enthusiasm to put it very mildly. I mean, this is really an understatement. Why do you like spiders so much? Well, I think because they are so varied and because their lives are so interesting. Uh, for example, just here in the UK, we don't have like the big spectacular spiders that you might have in other parts of the world, but uh, in my window, I can see her now. Uh, there is what we call a noble force, force is very important, a noble force widow spider lives there. 
And last year, um, she had a boyfriend come to visit. <laughs> and the boyfriends are tiny and like maybe a quarter of the size of the females. And the way that they try and tell the female not to eat them is by plucking on the web. They just like it was a guitar string. So this poor little male plucking on the string and advancing and then deciding that was a bad idea and running away again. You know, <laughs> it's absolutely fascinating. And some spiders are also very good mothers. In fact, these are very good mothers. When they lay their eggs, um, they will, in fact, be their baby's first meal. They will, they will die and the babies will, will, that will be the first meal that they have. Um, but you see others here called nursery web spiders, which live in the long grass and they carry their eggs about with them, like this big kind of ping pong ball sized mass. Uh, and then when the babies hatch, they will guard the babies for three or four days until they're big enough to disperse. So yeah, spiders are endlessly fascinating. Endlessly. Um, and some of the tiny ones um, that can change colour, little crab spiders that live on the plants, waiting for a fly or a bee to come along with their arms wide open. Uh, and if you put them on a yellow flower over a period of days, they will go yellow so that uh, they are camouflaged. And spiders eat so many things that we we find irritating so many flies and mosquitoes and midges and other things you know uh there's a good case i think for turning your house into a safari park and having lots of spiders so that they eat all those things (laughs) (laughs) you have a fascinating fascinating movie happening right in front of you a spider's (laughs) love story (laughs) a spider starting a family (laughs) I know, I know, I know. But you can get you 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 can get very attached to them, and they they have personalities. Definitely, I mean that's been scientifically proved. But some are more shy, some are bolder. You know, it's kind of it's, cool. yeah, yeah. Well, I I belong to those people who are, who are not afraid of, of spiders. Actually, when there are too many in our house in Croatia, I ask you to leave. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, because I said, guys, now we don't fit all in, in here. Now you have to go out. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes they do have to be encouraged. It's true. You can have too much of a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you have a few trees out there. You can grade your net out there and catch some flies. And uh, so you have a lot to do outside. Yeah, they're, they're fascinating. They're truly fascinating. And um, this is connected with one of the other questions. Um, First Nations uh, actually have one thing in common. They all revered life. And Hopi Indians from the States even talked of the grandmother spider mm-hmm. as the feminine creator of all life. In some South American tribes, a spider web is used as a synonym for life and how everything is perfectly connected. Just like a, sp- a spider web, when you pull on one side, the other one also gets unraveled or gets, gets hurt. So, you know, we cannot work on one side of life and believe that nothing will happen on the other. When we hurt mm-hmm. one part, the other one will hurt, be hurt as well. How can we? 
teach, how can we understand this more? How can we teach children to understand this aspect of life? I think more than anything, as adults, we have a responsibility to model to children how we see the world. It's not enough talking about it. It's actually modeling it. It's do you just swat a fly or a wasp or a spider or do you take the care to gently put it outside and explain what you're doing? Um, do you explain to a child what it is they're looking at? Because I think children are endlessly curious and endlessly open-minded, yes. you know, and it's it's our opportunity um to keep them that way, to keep them fascinated with what's going on. And I think it's especially important actually for girls because there is a certain link, certainly where I live, between being afraid of insects and being feminine. You know, I see little girls go, and it's that's not a good way it's not a good way to enjoy your own life, let alone to have respect for other creatures. Um, so we can do a lot, I think. We can encourage children and we can encourage them to see themselves as part of nature, which, of course, we are, rather than it being something out there that's dirty and a bit scary mm -hmm. and that actually it's all part of the same thing. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. If I recall correctly, um, you you actually grew up yourself in a city. You, mm. you did grow up in a country, yet you discovered that you're part of of a larger picture on your own, being as being a city girl. So, being a city girl does not prevent us from enjoying. You are the best example of enjoying so many miracles around us. There is just so much in our cities to see. The it really is. And I remember about seven years old in my garden and the garden was tiny. We had a, a very small house um, and I watched a jumping spider stalking a fly on a slab of concrete. And it was ex as exciting as watching some nature documentary in the Serengeti, you know, the way it crept through the crenellations in the concrete and then finally jumped onto the back of the fly. And I just felt like I'd witnessed a miracle. And those are going on all around us all the time. So it's just, it's so important to allow ourselves the time to stop and just watch and wonder, yeah. like, what is going on here? What is, what is this? You know, don't don't let life knock it out of you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's exactly that's looking at us from all sides, from so mm. many perspectives, and we just have to look back and say, "Yes, good that you're here. Thank you for your work. <laughs> you're not asking for anything. You're you're simply you're simply helping." Mm -mm. Yeah. Um. So. Is there a way we can express this gratitude? Would you suggest a certain way? Because obviously they are so extremely important for our food supply and, as you mentioned, and our survival. How can we, I mean, they don't want to come too close to us and they don't want us to pet them. And say, No. Is that, you're beautiful. We don't want, they want to be caressed by us. But how can we express our gratitude to these little helpers? Well, 
I was thinking about this. I think one thing we can do is resist the urge to reach for the pesticides, the herbicides, the fly swatter. The minute we see something that we don't know or understand, there's often ways of living with animals, even animals that we might be a little bit afraid of, uh, that doesn't involve just killing. And often it feels to me like killing is uh, the first thing we jump to. It's like, oh, there are ants in the house, we have to do something. Oh, there are spiders in the house, we have to do something. There might be a better way. But over and above that, which I think is kind of the baseline, um, if you have any kind of outside space, even a window box or something like that, it is so worth um, growing things that pollinators will like, Um being a bit untidy in the garden don't feel like you have to cut everything back all the time you know yeah um and even more than that just look at what's going on locally there is always some council trying to cut down trees or spray things with herbicides or you know you can go from the the absolute most micro level depending on your energy and your skill and not everybody is built to be like an activist in terms of chaining yourself to a tree, but there are, there's so many things that you can, you can do to just say, yes, we recognize the hard work that's that these animals are performing. Um, and we can help them and we can at very least not make life harder for them. Yeah, 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 that's true. Um, we actually have a whole episode on trees um, uh, coming two weeks later. And um, yeah. um, it's a good good point that you mentioned, because we would be talking about the ecosystems mm. that trees create. And of course, there, the insects, our little tiny helpers are part, a large part. This is one of this is where very often their home is. So... Um, we have to um, keep also trees uh, protect the home. But there's there's one aspect I, I also wanted to ask you, because so far we have been talking about adventures during the day, by daylight. But there are a few friends that actually operate and help us at night. Mm-hmm. Our nocturnal friends are as important as our day friends. How about these? Well, it is amazing if even in my garden, I mean, I live in North London and if I sit out in the garden as dusk falls, first of all, you see the moths, which are pollinators, very underrated pollinators, actually. And then if you're lucky, you start to see the bats and the bats are such extraordinary animals. They eat incredible amounts of insects that you wouldn't want too many of like midges and mosquitoes uh, and they flitter about doing no harm whatsoever and most of the time we don't even know that they're there yeah yeah they're they're simply there at night they fly around they don't bother us Mm -hmm. Um, they actually avoid their contact with us and they do they do a great cleaning up as well yeah, they really, they, they do, they do. And if these days you can get uh, apps for your phone, which you can use as back detectors, so you can actually hear the 
calls that they're making so they can communicate and so they can see where the moths are. So absolutely fascinating animals and pretty much universally endangered wherever you are in the world because we're so fond of spraying things that and they're the top of the train so they eat the insects and the insects are not well we're already poisoned so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and um it's very it's it's pity um yeah. they have a bad reputation unfortunately for a variety of reasons but none of which is actually because of their work they never no. did us any harm um the reputation comes simply from our maybe misrepresentation of them in movies or whatever mm. but it's not because Mm-mm. they they ever hurt us so no. it's totally a pity mm, i agree yeah that's um life is um, so diverse in addition to your blog is there any other profile or way where our listeners can find you well at the moment i'm just on facebook i'm uh, very happy to talk to people on facebook Um, I have plans for Instagram, but I'm also working and I'm (laughs) so it's, um, I quite like that the community I have has grown organically. I haven't, (laughs) I suppose it's appropriate. I haven't done a lot of pushing it out there, but people have kind of found me, which is nice. So, so yeah, Facebook or Leah, like you, like you. Yeah. So Facebook or on the blog. Okay, good, good. Yeah, and I do recommend the blog. There are really interesting articles to read. It really opens up, opens our eyes and our minds, of course. Um, Many things, I mean, I am obviously a nature lover, but I learned new things in your blog and uh, it's definitely something to visit. Um, dear listeners, please know that you can, of course, find uh, Viv's profile, uh, link to her profile in my own profile and on the pages, Instagram, LinkedIn and Facebook pages of Grounded Press. Um, before we conclude to, for today, is there anything else you would like to add about your enchantment with bugs, Viv? Have you forgotten anything important? What would you... What would you like to say in closing? I think uh, that observing and being part of the natural world is one of the best things you can possibly do for mental health, especially in the difficult times we're living in at the moment. Um, It always gives me a sense of perspective and of my place in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I would really recommend just going out, listening to the birds, watching the bees to anybody who is, who is struggling, uh, the best medicine in the world. Yes. Yes, it is. It frees up your mind and showing respect for, for nature. As you said, we can, we can, uh, replace that with, with ignorance. We can then learn so much from mm. Um, uh, from these helpers I mean I was amazed by you saying that spiders have personalities and the family story or the love story you you mentioned earlier fascinating Um, yeah I do absolutely agree with that Um, every creature uh, is in that Um, so thank you so much it was a pleasure talking to you 
Of course, your work closely parallels with the core message of this show that we want to share with our audience that the urgency to value everything. Mm. We talk today about bugs, why should we should value them, but also plants, rivers, oceans. We, I think we all know that we are a bigger part of a bigger system called life, and that each element has its own place. My Absolutely. Never makes mistakes. Everything is perfect, including our friends that we discussed today. So that was beautiful. Thank you so much, Viv. Oh, thank you for asking me. I've really enjoyed it. I'm glad to hear that. This was today's conversation with Mother Earth, brought to you by Grounded Press. Next week, I'm going to talk to two guests. Their home countries may have been separated by the vast Pacific Ocean, but nonetheless, they are connected by yet another miraculous harmony in the music and dance. Stay tuned. <laughs>